0: Say confession is good for the soul. Am I on? Because we need to get this on recording, right? Um, I said for those at home and here who might have caught this that we were done with history. That's not exactly true. Um, and, but we will do it without the dates and names and places. Okay? So that will be okay. It's just going to be just a little, little bit there. The other thing is, I, I, I did say last week that maybe we'd get into some economics. That wasn't a joke. That was actually true. Um, but we're not going to be... Uh, let me talk about what, what we're not going to do here. Uh, we're not going to get into uh, what the Bible says about your finances. That's not what this is going to be. We're talking about the, the economics of the gospel. Our, our writers of our, of our New Testament and, and Christ, they were, they were great uh, at using they are very versatile they, they could teach different elements uh, of, of spiritual principles using all sorts of different metaphors uh, Paul, was, Paul liked athletics actually he talked about boxing and he, he talked about wrestling and he talked about all these different things races and, um, and Jesus liked to use um, uh, agriculture uh, there's politics there's uh, sociology, architecture there's all sorts of metaphors Uh, that are used to teach um, different elements uh, of our New Testament. And we're going to be looking at uh, just some of them uh, that have to do really with economic principles. Uh, So we're going to begin with Ephesians chapter 2. It's going to be kind of our text here. Ephesians chapter 2 and beginning in verse 4 through 10. We've been going through Ephesians uh, in the morning class. Um, And uh, so we've covered this, but not from this perspective. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, he says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together to sit, Together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, and then you might be wondering what this has to do with economics. We're going to be talking about grace. Uh, and, and, and gifts, and we've, we've used this terminology, and I think some of this is lost on us because of the language. Uh, we are a, we've been raised in a culture that has been influenced by religion over you know, hundreds of years, and, and even dating before, uh, going back thousands of years. Christianity has affected the world, and and I've said this before, but but a lot of words that were just ordinary words have become religious words, and so we only know them in the context of something religious. Grace is one of these words that we almost use exclusively in a religious context, and so it's kind of lost its meaning. It's grace. we use it as a synonym for forgiveness or redemption or, or whatever. We just kind of have this general feel of what this word means, and the word simply means a gift. Now, that makes this text a little bit interesting, because now grace is like, what is, uh, if grace means gift, and he's, he says grace is a gift, so, so what is the idea here, a gift is a gift, what, this makes no sense, but these are two different words, uh, so the word here translated as grace means a gift, kind of like benevolence, like a, if you gave somebody a gift, but the word here that's translated when it says grace is a gift, that word gift is a special kind of gift. Jesus used it exclusively when he taught uh, people that word exclusively means a gift brought to the temple. It's a religious offering. We talk about offering, and it could be used in any context. It could have been when, when they were bringing money to the temple, for example. Or it could have been an animal sacrifice. Any type of thing that was devoted religiously, it was that kind of a gift. And so he's saying that Grace, is this benevolence that God gives us, is a religious sacrifice. That's going to become important as we actually conclude this. I want to kind of hold on to that thought. But we're going to be using this idea uh, and and getting into some economic... But before we get into those economic principles, what I want to do is is kind of take kind of a, a, a wide path to Grandma's house, if you don't mind. Uh, I want to talk about some some tendencies we have and and talk about some uh, some ideas that we 're going to use to bring out the truth of, of what I want to accomplish here this morning. Uh, first of all, we all have tendencies uh, just whatever your nature is that 's your tendency, and you tend to uh, use that to across multiple uh, Applications. Let me give you an example. If you're an aggressive person, right, uh, and uh, you're uh, you have something, uh, let's say your um, air conditioner, just randomly, uh, makes a, a buzzing noise. What do you do? Stop, stop buzzing. Things are good. Right, it's, a, it's that aggressive nature. Uh, so, so, but that's your tendency. You're aggressive. That's not bad. God made uh, aggressive people, right? Sometimes you just kind of have to. Well, what do you do if you're an aggressive person? There's, there's, a, there's commotion in the house. Two of your kids are are fighting. What do you do? Okay, the noise stops, right? That's good. Right? That's, that's my tendency. Now, I'm not saying that that's always every application is good, but if that's your tendency, that's what you do if you're a tinkerer right if you're a tinker anybody a tinkerer in here okay we got tinker what's your what's your what's your uh, tool of choice Ratchets, okay. So that kind of a tinkerer. So he's a big, large-scale tinkerer, uh, or a screwdriver. If you like, a, if you like little technical stuff, then your your first tool is is grab the screwdriver, right? The tinkerer. the tinkerer likes to pull things apart. Uh, some, that, that's not bad. God made tinkerers. Uh, so so you you uh, you like to pull things apart and see what's wrong. Now, if you're good at figuring out what's wrong. Um, then, then that's, you might be able to pull ah, that's the that's problem sometimes you pull things apart and realize it has lots of springs in it and it's like oh, I'm going to buy a new one now <laughs> right? so, uh, but if you're a tinkerer all of a sudden you have interpersonal situations what do you do? You, you're, not a, you're not a hammer person you're a tinkerer and so you, well, well, what happened then and, and let's figure out the emotional things and we tinker with people hey, I got this little advice for you and we tinker tinker right? that's your tendency that's what you do and we're going we're gonna to talk um, about tendencies that we have as Christians. That, so, so just kind of hold on, because we're going we're gonna to get there. Uh, I, I, when I was first here, I, I'm not even sure what the sermon was. This is uh, probably not good, so probably you don't. But I showed a video when it was my first year here. I don't even, it was a video about conformity, and, and it's like a three or four minute video. It's on, it's on YouTube, of course. Everything's on YouTube. So uh, you can go find it, but it was a, a video showed. If you remember, if you were here, if not, I'll, I'll summarize it. Uh, it was a video. Uh, it showed this doctor's office, a real doctor's office, but there was an experiment, and everybody was in on the experiment except one person. And they were all sitting there, and a bell would ring, and everybody stood up. That was in on this. You guys remember that? Okay. Uh, so uh, everyone stood up, and this one, per- except for this one person, who thought that was strange. It took about five or six times and she was standing up with everybody. And maybe you've seen this independent of of this. You've seen it? All right. So so you're tracking. Well, what they started doing then is they started pulling people out of, who were in on it, into the, you know, they were called on by the doctor. And, uh, And so one by one, the new people are coming into the doctor's office for appointments And they were teaching these new people. Eventually there's no one from the original group and they're still teaching the same rules. They're they're teaching the rules of the group. These are the rules. And, And so that is going to become also important as we get into talking about the economics of the gospel and this concept of gift. Now I know you're wondering how in the world all three of those ideas come together in what we're going to talk about. But I I want to talk about a tainted worldview that we have. Everyone in this room has it. Um, This is where we come to some history. Uh, And it's just going to be brief, I promise. Um, We are a different nation. I didn't say better, I didn't say worse, we're just different. We didn't become a nation the way virtually every other nation in the history of mankind became a nation. It, it, it just, we're different. Um, someone discovered some piece of land, and people became interested in it. That's, that's how we became a country. But how we became, most nations in the history of humankind have just evolved over a period of time. But we were, we were formed. And, and there was this exciting opportunity. And so who came to this wonderful country that we have they they had all they had three things in common no matter what country they were from they were somewhere from germany somewhere from from uh, england somewhere from all over the place but we were formed specifically everybody who came here had three things in common one you had to be excited about adventure right we have some uh, uh, some people moving here from a long ways away right uh, for college and and it's a it's an adventure it's different it's exciting, maybe, but nervous. But to, to get to that point, you have to be willing to do something new. If you don't like adventure, you weren't coming to this country. That's the first thing. The second thing that they all had in common uh, was they all wanted independence. If you didn't care about independence, if you didn't care about uh, religious freedoms or political freedoms, then, then why move? Right? So, so they all had this imprint, this specific character trait. And the third thing is they all were excited about entrepreneurialism. Capitalism. They all had that. Have your own land. Do your own thing. And, and maybe make a profit selling stuff back to whatever the country you came from. Right? That, that was exciting to everybody who came here. And what happens is, and this is where we pull in the idea of Conformity. Uh, as, as everybody came here, they all had the very specific character traits. Those character traits existed in every country, but they were just a subset of a larger community. But we called that specific, it was like we distilled that character trait and formed a country with just that. That's why we're the only country that likes American football, by the way. Right. Why? Because American football is all about owning property and taking property. Right. No one else cares about that because it doesn't fit into their identity of who they are. But that's our identity. And as, as, we, uh, as we came here, now many of you, I, I, my family came here a little over 100 years ago. I mean, long, long after this was formed. But what happens? Conformity. And so we learned the rules of the org- of the group, now I'm not saying absolutely every person, but as a generality, we learn these rules because this is the way it's done here, and so we get into this worldview, this this capitalist worldview. Now, again, this is not bad. This is not good. It's just what it is. Capitalism is wonderful. It's great if you were trying to get a, um, a good financial base, if you're trying to develop a great economy, it's a wonderful system. However, we, we talked about those tools, right? And if you need a hammer, hammer is a great thing to pull out. But it's not always good to hammer. It's not always good to tinker. And capitalism does wonderful things, but it is a horrible tool when it comes to the gospel. And I'm going to illustrate some of the the mindsets and some of the ways that this is ingrained in us and how we subconsciously use this tool to the gospel. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. in verse 3 beginning Romans 4 3 through 5 he says for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness now to him who works the wages are not counted as grace but as a debt but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness. Well, we hear passages like Ephesians chapter 2, talking about grace as a gift, and, and, and here again talking about uh, wages and, 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 and things like that, we hear, we hear these verses and we start to get a, an allergic reaction when we just talk about grace. Right? And it's like, quick, someone grab the EpiPen and talk about Acts 2.38. We mentioned baptism because we almost we almost went and talked about grace without saying anything about baptism. That was a close call. We're going to talk about how baptism works into this because I, I don't want to go without mentioning it. But, but this is not about baptism. These passages aren't even connected really to the topic of baptism. That's not what they're there for. In fact, when we when we quick run to Mark 16 or whatever other verse, First Peter chapter 321, whatever, you're going to run to those verses when you hear grace, you acknowledge and you allow the premise that that's what this is about. And what you do is you allow the premise that baptism is a work. And we just say, well, this is a work, but it's an okay work. <laughs> and that's what we do. And that's When we talk about works and we talk about grace... Baptism isn't a work. It's the most passive thing you can do. You don't even breathe. right? It's not a work. This is not under this heading when he talks about wages and things like this. But the text is talking about the mindset of the person who holds the gospel for themselves. Their relationship with grace. The person that thinks that... They have earned it, no longer considers it a gift. They consider it to be something they've earned. It's a wage. I deserve this, and you don't have the right to keep this from me. It's a wage. It's a salary. It's capitalism. That's what capitalism is. It's a, I give a service, I get a payment. Quid pro quo. This for that. And we treat, not thinking about it, but we treat the grace of God in a capitalist sense. And it's, that's a horrible system. It doesn't work. And he says it doesn't work. Abraham believed God and it was considered or recounted as righteousness. But this, this plays into that pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mentality that we have, that we've been raised with. It's a part of our country. Make your own way. And, and that we, just, we just Christianize it. And, and why, why do I have this grace? Because, I mean, I came through all these things and I used to have these habits and I kicked this habit and I, and I, I did this thing and I look at the things I've done. And it's great to conquer problems. But we start to think that we earned it. Romans chapter 5, just the next chapter over. And verse 15 illustrates this. Romans chapter 5, 15 and 16. He says, But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, how much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace came by one man, Jesus Christ, abounding to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for judgment which came from one offense, resulted in condemnation. but the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. In this passage he's, he's contrasting Adam and Jesus. And he, he's, they're like two sides of the same coin. They're, they're kind of like opposites. Right. Uh, you ever get a gift you didn't want? So Benjamin was born. That's not the gift we didn't want. (laughs) Katie's sister gave us a gift we didn't want. It was this, some of you have seen it. It's the caterpillar, the evil caterpillar. It's got like all these legs, and each one makes this different noise thing. Uh, And it's really, oh, it's it's awful. But it's a gift. You can't get rid of it, right? Uh, And and then the batteries. it, It really becomes evil when the batteries start wearing down. Then it's like it's like a satanic toy, uh, and it's like how long how many times does she have to come here and see that it's there before we can get rid of this thing? It was like, there is there, a, is there a rules for gifts that you don't like? She never had kids, so we couldn't give it back to her. Ah. you get gifts you don't like. Adam gave everybody a gift that he, we didn't like, and, and sometimes there are some religions that that don't understand this concept properly, and so therefore they don't understand grace properly. Um, Adam didn't give us sin. You weren't born with sin. What Adam gave you is this wonderful gift of being tempted by sin and the awareness of sin. At some point, we've all become aware of sin and, and what's right and wrong pretty early. That's what Adam gave me everyone i didn't ask for it but i did choose to participate on my own that i chose and and adam is the opposite or jesus is the opposite of adam what what christ gave me was this gift this opportunity to be affected by the gospel and to be aware of the answer for sin, but I do have to choose to participate in it. Now, that doesn't earn anything for me. It's still a free gift. But I still have to choose to accept it. And that's the difference between the two if we want to connect those topics. But how do I look at these gifts? Well, when I have the awful caterpillar... I didn't deserve this. What did I do to deserve this thing? Nothing. What did I do to deserve grace? Nothing. Oh, but all of a sudden it's different. I did this and I did that, and so I feel pretty good about my standing in grace. No. You have to have the same attitude towards grace as you do towards Adam. If you feel unfairly given this gift by Adam, per this chapter, Romans chapter 5, you have to feel that you got the unfair gift of grace. But we never feel that that was unfair. And that's how we hold it for ourselves. But things always affect other people. As I say, the, the... the, the, the tools that you use to work on the things in your house are the tools you pull out to work on other people. Those are your tendencies. And they always affect other people, good or bad. And so it is that as we hold the gospel with this capitalist mindset, because that's just the way we're raised, it will affect other people. That's our tool. And we all conform to it in one way or another. Unless we deliberately force ourselves not to. So I want to look at the result of this mindset. Acts chapter 10. We're not the first ones, by the way, to to look at it this way. Acts chapter 10. In this passage, um, Peter has gone to preach to Cornelius. Um, and, and we're going to pick it up right after he's preached to him. Acts 10, 44 and 45. <clears throat> he says, While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. Those of the circumcision, that's Jews, who believed were astonished, as many came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And so these Jewish Christians... They came with Peter. They came to a new covenant with an old bias. This is their tendency. They had long thought as Jews that they were better people. That's what they had been raised to believe. for thousands of years. And they could give you examples of why they were better. We don't do this. We don't do this. We do do this. They had a law. And we're... All the things that they, they held up and said, this is why we're better. They actually started thinking, this is why. God chose us because we were better. <laughs> he must have chosen us for a reason. I mean, of all the nations he could have selected, he chose us. So we must be better. That was their logic. And this idea of entitlement, really, that's, that's the result of this, this entitlement what was their reaction when someone else heard it? They were astonished. Now, grace is a gift. And so they were astonished when somebody else got a gift. Why? Because they no longer looked at themselves as receiving a gift. Right? If I get a gift, I'm not amazed that you get, right? so you get a birthday, I get a present. I'm not surprised when you get a birthday present, Right? Because I understand birthday presents, we don't deserve them. But if you go, if you get something and you're surprised that somebody else got the same thing, so but I worked for mine. So, salary, I earned it. I got it. You know what I had to do to get this? What I went through for grace? Yeah, nothing. It was a gift. They were shocked that other people might actually get it. In fact, so much so that chapter 10 finishes, chapter 11 finds Peter having to go and defend the fact that he gave this opportunity to people. What are you doing, Peter? And in uh, in chapter 15, Paul's going to have to come along and, and further give evidence that it's okay to do this thing apostles didn't think that they should be doing this what are you doing Peter apostles we're in a conundrum about this giving of grace to other people as the capitalist mindset eventually affects other people how I hold it not just whether I have it but how do I hold it 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. It says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to brag about, because a necessity has been laid upon me. Yes, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel... If I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if I do it against my will, I have been trusted with a stewardship. Paul saw two options. I can preach because I want to, or I can preach because I have to. There was no third option. There was maybe I'm not going to do that. That was not an option. And he says, if I do it because I want to, I get more it's more rewarding because I at least enjoy it. And I'm glad. But if I have to do it like Jonah, then I'll do it like Jonah. Because I've been told I have to. It's better to do the first one. But at least I will have fulfilled the requirement if I do it because I feel I have to. But if I succumb to the capitalist gospel, quid pro quo, see, I have the option because I've earned it It's mine to do with And this is the way That it affects other people See, other people don't have The same opportunity to hear it why would, I, why would they hear it? They haven't earned it What do you mean They haven't earned it? How do we do that? How do we force other people To earn it? Well, remember Capitalism is a system of merit and it's, as I said, it's wonderful to do the things it does. If you're managing your 401Ks and all this other stuff, it's a wonderful system. But it's horrible at holding the gospel. Do people have to be in a, a certain economic status for me to tell them the gospel? Do they have to be a certain social class? Well, then I've set a quid pro quo. I've set up a, you have to reach this standard for me to give you the gospel. It's capitalism. Here's one. We've said this a lot. I used to say this. I find it easier to teach people that I have a relationship with. You heard that one? The relationship becomes the quid, or the quo. I'm not sure which one. If you do the honor of allowing me to have the relationship with you, then I will share the gospel, quid, quo. Now what happens typically is once you have the relationship, you don't want to spoil that relationship, so you end up not telling them the gospel anyway. Do they require a relationship with me to hear the gospel? Did God feel the need for me to have the relationship with him first before I got the grace? No, it doesn't work that way. Capitalism operates on the exchange of goods, as we said. Here's another one. Have you ever considered the likelihood that a person would respond, they would never, ever listen. You might be right. You might be absolutely right. Does that make a difference? That's capitalism. If if I waste my resources in this area, that's a bad expenditure. It's capitalism. God doesn't operate on that. it 's not for me to figure out who's going to respond to it or not or how worthy they are of it. That is the wrong system. This is a grace. I want to go back as we conclude and talk about those words because there's something very uncomfortable, and maybe you didn't pick on it, pick up on it. Um, I want to say that grace is a gift that Christ gave us a gift, that, that word offering is a that's a loaded word we come and bring an offering, and we understand that, and we talk about all sorts of offerings, we, we bring money, we, we donate time or service to something we, we talk about all the offerings we do, and we understand that that's our rightful place as a religious devotion to God But think for a moment how unworthy we are that Christ came and presented a religious offering to you in a temple. We're called the temple of Christ. Does it make you uncomfortable that Christ would give a religious devotion to you? Because that's not the way it's supposed to work. Humans give the devotion to God, right? It's not supposed to work the other way. But Christ said, grace is a gift, a religious offering. Christ gave us a religious offering. That makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not the only one who, who felt uncomfortable. Peter felt uncomfortable. He's like, no, no, not my feet. He's like, well, then you have no part with me. Oh, okay, <laughs> the whole thing. John the Baptist felt uncomfortable. He's like, I need, to, I need to be baptized by you. Yeah, but that's not righteousness right now. Right now, you're doing this for me. Christ came and gave us something that we don't deserve, and he wanted us to feel undeserving. If you have that uneasiness, as I talk about that, that's the right response. Because it is a gift. It is a grace. It's something you don't deserve. As undeserving as you feel right now, That's how undeserving everybody else is around you when you leave here. So see a different principle. Learn a different principle. Because the ones that we've all been raised with work wonderful for some things. They're wonderful tools. But they don't hold the gospel at all. They don't work grace. Our option is to extend a religious offering that is undeserved to other people because that is what we received, an undeserving gift.